Hey everybody, this is Warren coming to you from the Strip District here in the great city of Pittsburgh. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to talk about jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, strength training, and anything else that comes to mind. Sorry, we're open. Into want to talk about jiu-jitsu in Pittsburgh. Come on down to Strip District. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second podcast. This is Warren Stout. I'll host the podcast today. Uh, we're going to talk today about belt promotions in jiu-jitsu. And I'll have in the show notes, if you, you want to skip to any particular section, uh, any topic, uh, and what those are. It's a little bit long. It's about 50 minutes. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. When you ask a question to whoever, you know, they, they can answer in a way that gives you more insight than, mm-hmm. than you know, a great competitor. You know what? I didn't, even, level. I didn't even cross my mind. That makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an instructor. You could just be like another, like, like how I was saying those black belt students. Like, could just be, you could be a blue belt rolling with a black, one of those black belt students I want and be like, hey man, what do you think about this grip? I'm like, what's wrong with like this grip strategy I'm playing or whatever? And they'd be able to offer insight. Like, I'm not, amazingly, I've never taken a class that Aurelio taught, but I mean, when I ask him questions, I, I just get so much out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I do a YouTube one, but <laughs> I wasn't trying to highlight Aurelio, but it's because I've never taken a class that Aurelio taught. You know, so he's never been a, literally like officially an instructor for me. No, he has good insights on stuff. I've gotten stuff out of like what he's well, so a couple little points he said. Uh, one of the things was that triangle, how he kind of climbed his legs up. I like that. Good oh yeah. I got that. That was that was nice. Um, all right, let's let's uh, introduce this here. We got Mike Wilkins. Uh, we have Logan Stout. We have Andy Anderson. And the topic for the podcast today is belt promotions in jiu-jitsu. And we're we're going to talk about that. Uh, first question I have is I'm gonna, I was going to ask Mike this first, and we'll start off with this. Uh, so Mike Mike's a brown belt now, and. Uh, how did you, did you feel different about your promotion to purple belt than you did about your promotion to brown belt? And like, how did you, what was the difference? How did you feel any different between those two? I know some of mine, I felt really different, you know, about the promotions. I felt, you know, some I felt, one I felt like I was like, man, what's, what's taking so long on this? And another one I kind of felt like, other ones I kind of felt, oh, I felt nervous. Like oh, I need to, I'm not good enough for this one, you know? So how did you feel uh, those two? Talk about your purple and your brown belt promotions yeah. a little bit. I can absolutely relate to that. When I got my purple belt, uh, I felt more than ready for it. Um, but I had other purple belts around me to compare myself to that you've awarded purple belts to. So like I knew what I had to live up to. I knew what I had to be. And when I got my purple belt, I didn't feel like any added expectation on me. I just knew I was at that level. Whereas when I got my brown belt, and I mean, I wanted it bad, but as soon as I got it, I got pretty nervous. You know, I was the first. Uh, I have a higher bar to live up to now. And all my, you know, fellow purple belts in the gym, how we have friendly competition with each other now, like that target's heavy on my back. You know, I always felt like it has been because I run my mouth a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, now, like, you know, that just that, uh, that, that uh, belt wrapped around my waist, you know, being a different color, telling, telling everybody, hey, I got one up on you, uh, and I felt people coming after me hard after that. So uh, I just wanted to make sure, you know, I held my ground there. Yeah, a little bit of context for that for our school too. I mean, mo- probably if you listen to this, you, you probably know have some idea. But uh, uh, right now we have uh, only three brown belts in the school, uh, so that's what you know. Mike being one of them. That's why you know Mike was saying he didn't have as much context. I mean, back when. Uh, when he got his purple belt, we had a, quite a few purple belts, and you know some of them were competitors and had had placed in you know major tournaments and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean I can see that he, he didn't have as much. You know, I guess he didn't have as much to compare to uh, yeah. this time. Um, we have one brown belt, uh, Alexandre, who's out there competing, and Mike gets to Mike gets to uh, train with him some. Uh, he's quite a bit heavier <laughs> than. Uh, than, than Mike's weight class, but uh, you know, and, and this is kind of like a segue into the next topic. Um, you know, Alex is, 
he, he, he's preparing for jiu-jitsu tournaments, whereas Mike, uh, you know, although he trains a lot of jiu-jitsu, he also has to develop other skill sets of striking and, and you know, different MMA skill sets, uh, even different grappling, a little bit of adjustments for grappling for striking. Um, so do you think with, with you know, how MMA is changing, people are becoming more well-rounded, uh, and and they're they're not really representing a specific skill set. They're just MMA fighters. They're good at everything, and they can they can you know change fight strategy depending on their opponent and things like that. Uh, your two last two fights were a great example of that. Uh, you used striking to beat a great grappler, and you used uh, takedowns and timing and grappling to beat a dangerous striker. So you know as, as that kind of becomes more the norm in mixed martial arts and no gi grappling competitions. Uh, become more popular, you know, EBIs, you know, one of our, our uh, guys that's been here a lot that we did had in the last podcast, Gary Tonin, uh, predominantly competes no gi. Do you think that belt uh, promotions, belt rank be, is going to, is going to become like less important because, because of the popular, you know, the cha- that change in MMA to more of a uh, all around fighter because of the uh, popularity of no gi grappling, does belt but does belt rank lose some of its meaning? What, what, do you, what do you think, Mike, on that? No, I don't think it does. You know, I think jiu-jitsu is rapidly growing and there's still going to be a, a large, ever-growing set of um, you know, jiu-jitsu competitors and even casual practitioners, uh, especially a different from you know, MMA fighters. A lot of MMA fans are going to gravitate towards uh, you know, training in jiu-jitsu because you know, it's similar enough. Uh, they get to watch you know, watch it happen in MMA fights, but they don't have to put in that commitment it takes, you know, to be an MMA fighter uh, and the risks of getting hit. So I think that belt rank's still gonna carry itself like in that aspect. Whereas MMA fighters, I feel like it's gonna fade a little bit in that in that area. Uh, due to specialization of, of the type of jiu-jitsu you're doing, you know, in jiu-jitsu competitions, we have different types of players, you know. Right now, uh, the leg lockers are having really great success with the uh, you know introduction of the EBI tournaments and other tournaments of that style. Well, MMA fighters, we're, uh, we're a specialist type of jiu-jitsu as well. We're jiu-jitsu with strikes. So uh, I think it will fade in that aspect because it's not entirely gi-oriented. You mean like, like MMA fighters, uh it'll become less important in that subset. Is that what you kind of, it, within, yeah. in, in, the, in MMA. In MMA yeah, that's what I'm talking right, about. Like, whereas like, you know, when you're on the jujitsu mat, there's probably a big difference between your black belt and your purple belt. Where in an MMA fight, like, uh, you know, I don't think people are gonna, I don't think a purple belt's gonna necessarily hesitate to accept a fight with a black belt. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And because that purple belt may have developed that specific skill set, integrating strikes, Possibly better than the black belt. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Right. It could be argued that that purple belt's better at jujitsu in that in that in that, in that arena. Yeah. Right. And the same. You know, I think that's that's a really good. Is that the same with the leg lockers? Depending on the rule set, uh, that's a subject for another podcast. Uh, look for our next podcast. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I think uh, how rule sets affect. Uh, you know, the techniques are done, but that's another topic. Um, Another, uh, I wanted Logan to field this one just because, uh, you know, he's been a blue belt for uh, about six and a half years now. Got his blue belt at Henzo's uh, in 2010 and has trained, you know, he, he's had some inconsistencies, had some injuries, had, uh, you know, he wrestled, had a wrestling career. Um, but he started training when he was 12 years old and got his blue belt. He's been a blue belt for a long time. Uh, what do you, how, how do you feel about, about that, about you know, being, I guess, I guess you could say stuck or being held at the, at a certain belt rank for quite a few years. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it, 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 first of all, is strange. It's a strange position to be in. Um, just because I, I have had a lot of time in jujitsu or at least around jujitsu, um, and, and coming in and out of it gives you a kind of a strange perspective. I mean, jujitsu now, like you're saying with the, with the leg lock style, is different than the jiu-jitsu that I watched when I first started with jiu-jitsu. Um, but uh, I think it also kind of highlights um, what Mike was saying about the fact that um, despite a transition away from you know pure uh, jiu-jitsu with, uh, with the belt promotions, I think it does highlight the need for you know continuing to put 
some emphasis on the belt promotions because um, someone like me who has six and a half years of experience or more um, might not necessarily be at the same skill level as another person with that amount of experience. Um, so I think that the belts as an indicator of skill level rather than years of experience um, do still you know, have a, a place in jiu-jitsu. Um, and I think my experience helps to highlight what Mike was saying. Well, yeah, I mean, Logan, uh, just to give some context on Logan, he uh, trains a lot of nogi, right? Like, we're, we're, I would say probably 80% of your training ha has been nogi. Not that you never train with gi, but just you prefer nogi, you gravitate to that. So, you know, that's kind of a, can, can be almost a specialty in its, in its own. That's, a, again, another topic, gi versus nogi. But, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that's, that's something else to consider and for... You know, when you're looking at belt ranks and what it means, um, here's here's something I think that that I think is interesting uh, dealing with belt ranks. Uh, a friend a friend of mine and uh, he has a, he has a podcast also. Uh, Pat Cooligan is a Henzo Black Belt school owner, uh, successful school owner, produced a lot of good students. He said said something to me that I thought was interesting. Um, he said, uh, you know, black belt or uh, let's say a purple belt from from six years ago, the average purple belt six years ago he thinks is better than the average purple belt now uh but the average the, the average purple belt competitor we're talking about somebody who's you know not not a casual competitor but somebody who's competes all the time uh is much much better than the purple belt competitor of six six eight years ago so and i i really agree with that i i think i see the same thing um do, uh, like uh, I said, I, I'll feel I'll give Mike this one first, just because he's been in it long, probably a little bit longer than everybody, uh, and you guys can weigh in too if you want. But uh, do um, do you agree with that? Do you guys do you guys think that's true? Have you guys seen that as well in your careers? Uh, yeah. You know what? I I think that is true. You know, I remember back when I was a white belt. You know, uh, a purple belt was like something like you're like holy holy crap, man! This dude's a purple belt. Whereas nowadays, you know, purple belt's kind of like, to me, that's kind of like your even mark. Like you're like halfway there type deal. Um, but if you watch these tournaments, man, every time I go out and compete in the IBJJF tournament, I'm just more and more impressed with not only just like the technique level of the purple belts, but even the blue belts. You know? Oh, yeah. It's just, uh, I think it's on another level. I, I feel the same way. And I've, I've seen, um, you know, I've seen the same development. I think the reason for it, I'm guessing one of the reasons is just there's more participation, right? There's more people in jiu-jitsu. I think another thing is there's no real standards for promotions, right? It's, it's a really kind of uh, subjective thing. Everybody's different. There's no hard set criteria for it, really. And so because of that, it's kind of all over the board, right? And as you get more people and more instructors with different sets of criteria for promoting, uh, there's maybe, you know, the standards kind of shift a lot, but the competitive standards, there's always a pressure upwards, right? Because, you know, people always want to win. So, so there's, I think there's a pressure to, to slacken the requirements or, you know, the business, you know, everybody wants to give a belt away because it retains students or whatever. So there's pressure in that direction and to give belts easier, right? Uh, and, but competitive wise, it's the opposite pressure. So I think that's really what, why that's developed as far as, you know, this gap between, let's say the average purple belt and the competitive purple belt. And uh, that, I mean, that's my theory, but I, I agree with that, you know, Pat's statement about that. I think it's an interesting thing that's, that's happening. Um, that that brings up kind of another thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, do do you guys you know we we all came actually all came from wrestling backgrounds and wrestling there's no belt promotions it's a sport uh, jujitsu is a sport too but there's also the aspect that's you know it's it's not there's a non sporting aspect of it. Um, do you do you think that what do you think is good about belt promotions? outside of, you know, kind of a progressive sport category, right? And what I mean by that's a progress, uh, I think it's nice to have belt ranks because as, as a competitor, because you can, you can get experience and test yourself at each level, right? Rather than just being thrown in with, you know, the best guys in the world or whatever. Uh, and, and I think that that's good on a lot of different levels. 
But outside of that, outside of like competition and sport, do you guys, anybody can take this, you guys can all take this one, but uh, what do you think the value of belt promotions are, if any, outside of that? I, I think one thing that it provides, um, so like from the example of wrestling, uh, in wrestling, there's kind of a structure, at least in, in America, of, you know, you start out in middle school, you go to high school, then, you know, if you're at a certain level, you go to college, and you compete in the same kinds of tournaments through the same structure from, you know, bottom of the, of the pyramid to the top. And there's not really that if you're not in the sport aspect of jiu-jitsu. So belts provide a kind of um, ladder to climb if you're not going to be competing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And people love that, right? I mean, that's the whole, the original intent, I think, of belt promotions is to provide that, that really categorization of hey, this is where I am, right? And mental categorization, whereas the same as what you're saying, like, oh, I'm in, I'm in high school now. I graduated from middle school or I graduated from high school now. I'm in college. Uh, so you think that's a good thing? Yeah. Overall? Yeah. And what do you guys think? Anybody else? I agree with that. Um, just I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. One thing I like about jiu-jitsu over wrestling, and there's not many things I do like about jiu-jitsu over wrestling, <laughs> but um, is that it, it gives the the belt system gives me personally a, a a way to gauge where I'm at. Whereas it was it was hard in in, a, in wrestling because I, I walked on to uh, my college wrestling team, just got my butt kicked every day in practice, got my butt kicked in most matches I did, and. Uh, and I, my coaches were telling me that, like, yeah, you know, you are improving. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess this uh, Division One wrestler pinned me in the second period instead of the first period. Last, like, I wrestled him last season, so I guess I'm getting a little bit better. I still got my butt kicked though. Sounds pretty rough. Man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but so in jiu-jitsu, there's more of a <laughs> there's a better there's more of a framework to to show where you're improving. I think, and I think like Logan mentioned, that's that's really important for people that aren't competing. Um, to kind of show them their improvement and and, uh, and that they are progressing because that's and that's what a lot of people uh, get into jujitsu for is that self improvement aspect of it. I think it it uh, you know it's big for recognition. I mean, uh, I certainly know I feel this way, and I just imagine that you know you guys do too, and most people. But uh, you know, uh, everybody wants to think that you know you're in it for selfless reasons, like you're okay just as long as you know you're getting better but like deep down you want that recognition you want other people to acknowledge that you are making those uh, improvements and in this type of environment as in most environments you want that to come from whoever's like leading the pack you know you want the 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 pat on the back the attaboy from uh from big papa you know (laughs) so uh i think that that really provides that so yeah, that you're. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna kind of flip this around on Mike, and you know, Mike's talking about as a student what belt promotions are like as a student. Well, you know, Mike's also a teacher. He's a youth teacher, and uh, also teaches a lot of the adult classes here. Been teaching for quite a while now, actually, right? Since a uh, few years. So, what do you think is the biggest misconception or problem uh, that you see in like your students relating to belt promotions? Uh, comparing where they are compared to somebody else's rank you know uh because there's just those different paths uh for example like you might have a a good white belt who may be able to to beat you know a blue belt you know uh just based off of maybe like prior experience outside like maybe they have some wrestling um or maybe they're just physically a tougher or or physically more impactful person but that doesn't mean that they're a blue belt you know what i'm saying like they, 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 they see it as, oh, I can beat a blue belt, so I must be a blue belt, when in actuality, I don't think that really determines where you are just based off of if you can beat someone at a certain level. That's something I struggle with a lot is, is a, you know, when I'm doing belt promotions. Uh, so we talked about having you know, specific skill sets, like integrating striking with grappling or being somebody who's really specialized in you know let's say leg locks for example uh or or somebody that's just maybe they have a great half guard and they can sweep everybody from half guard and for i'm just just an example uh and they can beat a lot of uh blue belts by you know they get the half guard and they and they're able to you know impose that position and and you know 
control everybody from there or sweep everybody from there. Uh, do, does that mean that that they're that they should be promoted? They're better. Uh, I, I have I have mixed feelings on it myself. Uh, I, I I generally think no uh, because I think that you know I want people to kind of have a broader knowledge base and skill base uh, in jujitsu as you progress in the ranks. But I think there is something to be said for that also, right? Like if somebody's really good at a certain position and can impose that, that does say something about uh, their grappling ability. So uh, I think it's, there's a little bit of a balance. I, I tend to err on, this, on, the, on the other side though. I'd like to see people, especially at the beginning ranks, you know, blue belt, purple belt. Uh, I'd like to see people that have a, a little bit broader uh, knowledge base and I think that's a plus when I'm looking to promote somebody. If if and then the other thing you can talk about is the, the difference between attacking and defending, right? Like if they're if somebody's only able to attack, they have they have three or four great attacks and they can chain them together and they understand the attacks and how to you know deal with defend the opponent's defenses, but they're not very good at defending. Uh, then that that's kind of you know I think that's. I think they need to correct that a little bit before they move up in rank. That that's my feeling uh, on that, um, and that doesn't mean uh, just if they can beat somebody. It, it just means that it just means that I think the the skill base and the knowledge base should be a little bit broader at the at the beginnings at least, you know. And then and then once you get to the upper belt levels, you can go deeper I guess into into the understanding of, of certain positions uh, if, if that's what you want to do if you're a competitor you kind of need to do that um, so so that's that's one of the things I look for on, on belt promotions that reminds me of, uh, of something that happened when I was a white belt uh, some advice you gave me and uh, another student here my fellow training partner uh, Luke Burdett uh, when we were both white belts uh, I was very attack oriented non-stop attacking but I uh, wasn't very good positionally so you know you told me what I needed to do to like even out my game you said when you get a position hold it for a little bit don't just chain everything together jumping from one thing to another you know getting a little sloppy and Luke was the uh, the exact opposite he needed to attack more he had great defense but you said you know in order to improve and grow you know you need to open up and attack more yeah it's cool to see that. and seeing you guys you guys really did it and put the work in us Luke's got some dangerous attacks now, and uh, you still see, and, and yeah, Mike, you, you've gotten good, like the Regman fight, I mean, that was a positionally Position. dominant fight, you know, and, and uh, again, MMA's a little bit different, but you used some positional grappling, was the it was one of the keys to the fight, uh, so that was really cool to see that, um, and, uh, you know, you guys still have those tendencies, though, you know, everybody, your personality kind of, kind of dictates a little bit what your jiu-jitsu style is, I think, for everybody. And uh, I still see you guys have those same tendencies <laughs> somewhat, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, like everybody, everybody, all you guys in here and, and me have different tendencies. For example, like uh, Mike is very scrambly and, and likes to attack, uh, and, which is which is, is great, you know. Uh, it, it's a good, Logan is really, um, has really good speed changing. You know, uh, uh, I was listening to Mendez online instructionals recently, and, and he, uh, Guy Mendez was talking about that changing speeds, and and you know some of my coaches like uh, Sergey Belgasov, the wrestler, was really really big on that about you know not keeping the same pace all the time, uh, and Lo that's that's a tendency Logan has, so that's a, that's a positive tendency, right? Um, it can also become a negative, like like what Mike Mike was talking about. It can you can you can over accentuate the, any of those tendencies. So you know, I, it's just an interesting thing. And, and some of that, that that personal development, developing your style, something else I look for to promote to higher belts. You know, and uh, I'm sure it's it's one of the things when I tell a story back from from my own belt promotions. Uh, so um, when we when I, I was at a seminar with Gregor Gracie uh, when I first opened my school and uh, here in Pittsburgh. And I was a brown belt then, and Gregor and I had known each other for many years. So Brazil, he was probably I think fifteen when I first met him in Brazil. Uh, and you know we've always we've trained together some, and and uh, he knows my my style. And 
we, we trained together and we, and we rolled and I, I asked, we had a, a good training session and I asked Gregor after the training session, you know, and, and I, sometimes I don't like to ask people, you know, like, you know, Hey, what, what happened? And I, I, maybe I didn't ask him, maybe he just told me, but I was, I was really glad he gave me some advice after he, uh, but it was that it was stylistic. You know, he, uh, he said, your guard's really good defensively, but you move backwards too much in your guard and I'd like to see you attacking more. So, and, and I thought about that and I thought about why my style had developed that way. And I was, and I, I, I you know, I trained a lot with Sean Williams the previous years. Uh, and if any of you guys know him, he's a, you know, you, everybody has heard of the Williams guard, but Sean, in my opinion, he's a better passer than he is even on the bottom. And he, he just has a monster passing series and, and he's really tough and he's on top. So I developed kind of a really defensive kind of mentality with that. So I just wanted to try to see how long I could maybe keep my guard, you know? And I think that got me backing up too much. So, you know, that, that's something, so I kind of tried to change that. And I was in a good environment for that too, because I had, most of the people I was rolling with were lower level than me, so I could attack more, you know? So that, I think that's something too. You have to mix your training partners. If you're looking to get promoted, don't always just try to, oh, let's see if I can beat the upper belts, right? Like, I, I don't think that that's always the way to go. It might, it might be where you want to train with lower belts and try, try to develop something that might be a hole in your game, working with people who are lower level than you. You know, that's something I think that can be important. Or the opposite, right? Like, if your defense is really sloppy, train with upper belts. Train with guys that are better than you. That's going to sharpen up your defense. Um, so your training, I, I look... I, I try to, I mean, as a school grows, it's hard, but I try to look at everybody and see if they're conscious of what they're doing for them personally. I think that's, that's how I promote, right? Like, I don't, I don't just say, oh, he's been here for three years and whatever. I mean, I, you take that in consideration for sure, but I don't only look at that. I try to see, is this person trying to develop themselves in the right way? And, and I guess it's, it's harder as the school gets bigger, honestly. I, I, uh, it's hard to keep my eye on everybody, but I try to. You know, that's that's my goal as a teacher and in, in, in belt promotions. Um, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Is there uh, something that you look for for specific promotions? Like, uh, like you know, is it just like a steady climb of the ladder? Oh, you got this good, so you're blue. Oh, you got this good, so you're purple. Or is it like, are there specific things you're looking for in, in when you're ready to give someone a blue belt? And then how does that change when, you know, they're they're close to being a purple belt and they're ready to get a purple belt. Yeah. Do you have that, any like, specific good, requirements? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, one of the, mo the, the, the belt promotions that's important in our school is, is the third stripe because that's kind of a, uh, the first cutoff where you really, that really matters, right? Like uh, the other ones matter in that, like what you guys talked about before, it's a pat on the back, say, hey, I'm, I'm watching you, you're doing good, you're improving. But as far as actually changing ranks that matters, that's really one of the most important ones. And it usually comes relatively quickly, you know, nine, eight months, six months, whatever, uh, nine months. Um, but what I look for, one of the main things I look for is, uh, it's, it's almost, uh, it's more physical. Like if, if, you're, if you're super panicky and tense and just trying to use strength, that I, I'll hold you back on that promotion, on that third strike. Because for a lot of reasons, because I, I think that it's harder to learn. It's harder to learn when you're when you're like that, and there's more risk of injury. Uh, physically, I want you to be in some kind of shape. I mean, you don't have to be, uh, you know, like like a professional MMA athlete like Mike. But yet, I want you guys to be in shape. You know, like you, you have to be able to get through the, the ten minutes of training, right? Like if you can't do that, uh, I'm probably not going to promote the third stripe. So some of that's learn to use your body efficiently. So that's what I look for on that one. Um, blue belt is, is a harder one. Uh, it's, it's an important promotion and um, what I look for on the, at the blue belt level is that you're starting to, un what I feel like you're starting to understand the position, uh, the different positions, the basic positions uh, in an applied way. And what I mean by that is like, you're, you're not just, you're not just, uh, you know, wrapping your legs around somebody, you're using your closed guard for a specific purpose, right? As opposed to just, just, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing this up and over sweep. I'm gonna close my legs and then I'm doing an up and over sweep. You understand why you're doing those things. And I can, and I see that when you're training and you're applying the techniques. Uh, I also, um, 
blue belt, one of the things I look for is I look to see that you have some understanding of both the top and the bottom, passing and guard. And the third thing I look for is that you have, uh, you're starting to develop some feet to floor skills. Uh, that some, some of that transition with pulling guard and offensive uh, takedowns. So those are the things I look for for blue belt. Um, purple belt to blue to purple, uh, I haven't given out a lot of purple belts um, and a lot of the ones I have given out, the people are really, I think they're kind of exceptional and dedicated. Uh, so um, what I look for in that is that you're starting to kind of look, I want you to understand all the basic positions. I don't want big holes in as far as theoretical knowledge, right? So that's one thing. Uh, I don't. I want. I want to see that you uh, um, are starting to have your own s style a little bit, your own game. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I look for in purple belt. Um, and uh, honestly, I, I do look for a little bit of understanding of both both gi and, and no gi, uh, you should have a pretty, not, not, it might not be the, your top skill set, but you should be skilled at transitioning from feet to floor. You should be able to attack and defend uh, a lot of basic stuff, um, both attacking and defending. Uh, you should be able to, you should have some real solid guard attacks. And I train with all the purple belts pretty regularly, so, um, I really feel like, particularly from the guard, you should be able to, uh, put. I guess for, for my, myself, you should be able to put some pressure on me from your guard. <laughs> That's kind of a, uh, something I look for. So if I'm just like, I don't even have to, you know, if we're training with the gi and I have no, you know, I don't even break a sweat trying to pass your guard, uh, you know, probably, uh, you probably need to work on that. That's one of the things that I would say. Um, yeah, so those are some of the, some of the criteria. Um, brown, uh, the, I've only given out one brown belt to Mike who's sitting here and, uh, ever, and I think that uh, that's a really special one. They always say, like my teachers always say, that the uh, the brown belt's really sort of similar to a black belt, other than other than some some teaching and theoretical and kind of intangible stuff, you know. And it's just really a transitional belt. So um, that one's a tough one. I'll. Uh, I'll hold off on that. Have to address yeah. that on a later podcast. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> Maybe, maybe <laughs> save that on. question for yeah. a couple years. Yeah, we'll yeah. throw a couple out and we'll, see. We'll hold off on that one. That's a, uh, a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that gave gave some guidelines about what I do, and you know, if anybody else is listening to this from a, you know from our school, hopefully it helps you. And if somebody's listening from another school, uh, you know, it's uh, it just gives you some insight on what I do, and you know. Um, Always, always welcome comments too. I always, I always ask people how they do things, what their criteria is. So, uh, and if it makes sense, you know, I'll try to implement it and and into what I do. You know, uh, I guess that, that's uh, that's about all I have. Um, any any uh, closing things that anybody wants to say about belt promotions? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not promoting anybody. But, you know, as an instructor here, I do offer my insight, you know, to, uh, to you what I think about certain, certain people and where they are and how ready they might be for their, for their next promotion. And one of the things that really gets me excited is uh, when I see people understanding, like, transitions from technique to technique and the different openings that, that one thing might set up. Like, I get really fired up when I see someone use a technique to set up another technique, you know. And maybe they don't pull it off, but I see just their knowledge and understanding of the sport growing, you know? Yeah, that's, a, that's something I, I guess I, I kind of forgot about that I should touch on. That's kind of between the, the blue and purple. That's one of the big things I look for. Uh, the, uh, um, I guess in wrestling, we call it chain wrestling. And it's the same idea, right? Like you can chain two, three movements together and plan ahead and react and react when, react pretty seamlessly between one thing and the next. And you always get better at that, right? I'm, I'm improving on that all the time, and, and myself, I hope. And uh, uh, But yeah, that's one of the other things. I, that's a good point. That's one of the things I, I actually look for a lot, too, is, is transitions, particularly, like, not really so much at white belt, but 
I mean, if I see a white belt doing it, it's awesome. But yeah, uh, but mo- I look for that between you know to promote a purple. Belt. I notice that most blue belts, um, you know, it's rare to see a white belt doing that because they're just getting the, the they're just on that one technique still. You know, yeah. Like you're looking at them hitting their setup for their one technique. Uh, but at blue belts, where I mostly see like those light bulbs just go off in people's heads at certain times. Yeah, I think white belt is is really your roadmap and things out unless you've had some previous experience, which is kind of like wrestling experience or oh, that's another kind of topic. I mean, you know, if you've had judo or wrestling experience or, or whatever, that really changes, I think, your perspective on, on the belt promotions. And it changes. I, I almost think that, you know, for example, like I came into to, uh, jiu-jitsu as a division one wrestler, right? And I wrestled for many years and, you know, pretty intensely and and really tried to understand that and it's not the principles are not that that different in that you know you're using your body to control somebody else right and and that that doesn't change the rule sets change that's another you know like I said that's another subject another podcast so you have to adapt to that movements and the skill adapts but you do have that innate knowledge I think you have an, an idea and it really changes like I almost, I always say, like I see, you know, if you come in and you're a good Division One wrestler, uh, you almost skip, and you don't skip it, but you very quickly transition out of the white belt stage. I think I really believe that. And same, same. I think with, I've never really coached any super high level judo people, uh, but I've I've trained with them, and I think the same thing with that. I mean, you're you're gonna. There's going to be some adjustments, obviously, and things like that, and you're filling in knowledge bases and changing, but changing, you know, positional ideas. But there, there is something. There's that that knowledge of how to control another body, how to control your body. That's that's there, and I think it almost, you know, you very quickly jump the white belt level. I think in in that case. So yeah, if somebody comes in, you're you're a Division One wrestler. Uh, to our school, you're not going to be white belt for very long, honestly. Hopefully not, Hopefully but maybe. Not. Yeah, you never you have know. had a, some some of those situations where they won't let go of the ref. They won't like embrace jujitsu. Uh, that's a good you point. Know? Yeah, you you do have you definitely have to adapt, right? And and I've seen that too. I, I there's a guy that uh, he actually beat me really bad in in uh, college wrestling. And when I was up a weight class my junior year, I think, and then he tried to transition into jujitsu and. Just it was a great wrestler, national runner up, but just wasn't successful in jiu-jitsu. Just couldn't make those adaptations. I think he just didn't work hard enough at it. But uh, but I, then you see some of the opposite. If you see somebody who you know comes in with a beginner's mind but keeps the knowledge that they had, I think it's really powerful. You know, I've seen a few of those examples. Um, I'm trying to think of one that. Uh, can you think of anybody, Mike? I'm, I'm blanking right Maybe now. Maybe AJ. Yeah, Agrizam. Yeah, that'd be an example. Um, uh, Dave Camarillo for oh, judo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good example. Uh, I rolled with him. Um, what about uh, you know, uh, not so much in like long term competitiveness, but like Dave Esposito. Oh, Dave, yeah. Yeah, great <laughs> coach. Yeah, went the Nogi Worlds and and, and um, uh, the um, another guy from our team, uh, Henzo team. Uh, my memory's terrible now, but uh. uh he was an ADCC runner-up. Oh, was it Jerry? Je- Rinaldi. 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 Yeah. That That's a great example. You know, and Jerry didn't, didn't really... I think a lot of wrestlers that had a long career, they, they their bodies would beat up so they don't compete, you know, a long time. But Jerry just transitioned really well and really effectively. And he had great coaches. You know, he was at Edge with, with uh, David Branch, Dave Esposito, also with uh, Silver Fox, Carl Pravick. Uh, so he had great right. people guiding him on a transition, but you know, very quickly became one of the best in the world at nogi grappling. So that that's another example of somebody who used the previous skill set really well and transitioned to, to submission grappling jiu-jitsu. Um, so uh, one thing that I, I want to talk about real quick, uh, since we're on this subject of, of belt promotions, I think like especially like uh, I'm imagining uh, a good a good number of our student base will be listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'm sure everybody would be interested to know uh, a little bit about like, uh, instead of like, I'm sure it'd be a little too long to talk about all your your promotions that you received, but let's talk about when you got your black belt. Oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, when I had promotion, same what Mike said about sometimes you feel really ready. Uh, I was a little bit different. My path was a little bit different. So I got my blue belt uh, from Sean Williams at, at Henzo's. Uh, after I had been uh, in Brazil with Hollis and I trained, you know, I came off a wrestling career. 
And I was already competing. I'd already done blue belt tournaments. Sean wrapped the blue belt around me, and I went out and did, uh, I think it was Grappler's Quest or something. And uh, I'd, I'd actually submitted some upper belts and some tournaments and things like that as a white belt. So, and I was a white belt for a long time for whatever reason. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I got my blue belt, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I feel great about that. You know, just I pretty much already kind of thought of, thought of myself as a blue belt since I'd competed and stuff. And, but it was really cool to get, I was really like what these guys are saying. I mean, I, I did feel that. It was like a pat on the back from Sean at Henzo's, and it was really cool. Uh, I was in a Nogi class, actually. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And then right after that, I ended up, uh, not, not, not right after, but probably six months after that, uh, I, I'd, I had moved to Costa Rica. I was still in touch with Sean and, think, and Henzo's. But uh, I, got, I got my purple belt from uh, Mauro Sergio, who's a high Gracie black belt. And uh, I think that was primarily based on my competition. And I'd been, I trained with him and really, you know, he, he was a good competitor. And him and I trained a lot. And uh, I think that was, he told me it was mostly based on my, he wanted to, he wanted to move me up and get me competing against purple belts. And that's another thing. That's another criteria I use, you know. Like it's different with a competitor. You have to you have to treat that differently than somebody who's not because you're considering their competitive career and what's best for that, right? Uh, so that's another aspect of promotion. And I think that's what Mara was doing. So I got my purple belt as a purple belt for quite a long time too, and competed some at purple. You know, competed a lot of purple belt. Uh, and you know, as assistant instructor at Sean Williams' school in LA when I got my brown belt, and from Sean, and I felt ready for brown belt. You know, I was. I was I placed in major tournaments at Purple Belt, uh, Gi and No Gi, and uh, and I was training every day with good black belts and brown belts and a lot of purple belts, and I, I just felt ready. You know, I didn't. It wasn't like uh, I, I was like, man, I, I sh you know, you hate to say this, and I always, I was feel, I always trust my teacher. I never asked for a belt promotion or anything, but I was just like, yeah, I should be a brown belt, you know, and then uh, so that's how I felt on that one. And then I got my black belt. Uh, it was really cool how it happened. I got it at Henzo's in New York. Uh, Henzo gave it to me, but all my other teachers were there. Daniel Gracie was there. Uh, uh, Sean Williams was there. Rolled with me that day. Um, Hollis Gracie, my first teacher, was there. And they all kind of, you know, it was a group. And it was, you know, sort of like a ceremony. Some of my students, Mike was there. Logan was there. Uh, but... Um, and I, I kind of had an inkling that I might get it, but I, I really wasn't expecting it. And I was sort of nervous for a while. Not, not like, not for a little while. I was nervous for a while, probably for like a, I'm talking like a year. Uh, that, that, you know, I was like, oh, do I really measure up to this? And, and is this right? And, and I competed, you know, I had, I felt like I had to compete, not, not for anybody else, but just to prove to myself that I was at that level. Uh, and you know now I, I feel like I've kind of grown into it you know as a teacher and stuff uh, you know I did, did compete and did had, had a little bit of success and stuff and I, I I feel like you know I feel like yeah okay I'm a, I'm a black belt but I mean that said I still I still once in a while I'll, I'll wake up and like almost like night panics and be like I don't know jiu-jitsu I don't understand it <laughs> and stuff like that so uh, so I, I, I feel I still feel that pressure to like keep learning and, and you see I don't know. I just see more holes in my knowledge, and part of it's jujitsu developed a lot, right? So, uh, example, of what I'm talking about is, um, I, I, w I was visiting once. I was looking for somewhere to train at in uh, uh, Southern California. I stopped in at the Mendez School, and they're they're very skilled guys, great guys, and they do a lot of really modern jujitsu. I want to say, and uh, I didn't feel like I was skilled enough at that at that style, at that stuff. My knowledge base, I wasn't deep enough at it. Um, I'm still, you know, John Danaher, uh, and, and you know, Sean Williams is always a great leg locker also, and we practice leg locks a lot, but uh, I'm still developing my knowledge of that. I'm still trying to learn, I'm still experimenting, and trying to learn from, from those guys, and, and you know, learning on my own. But I feel like I have a lot to learn in that aspect. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I felt. I, I was very nervous at when I got my black belt uh, from Henzo's. Nervous and uh, I felt like <laughs> I felt like I had to had to prove something to myself, you know, to, uh, when I got that one. So I guess purple and brown, I was kind of, it wasn't a big, big, uh, the other belts were not, I kind of felt like I was ready. Black belt, I didn't, but my teachers did, so that gave me a really boost of confidence and then I just had to prove it. 
you know, I was, that really helped me because I knew that they believed in me and I believed in my teachers. So I was like, okay, well, all these guys think that, so that's good. Uh, and now I had to prove, I, but I still had to prove to myself, I guess. And uh, I, I think, I think having teachers that uh, that you respect. I mean, no teacher is going to be perfect. You're not going to, you don't want to like worship them as, as human beings. But I think that if you respect the pro, their process and you think they're um, legitimate and they have that deep experience, which I think my teachers all do. So, you know, that, that really helped me uh, be confident when I got promoted to black belt because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's different. People, people get, get belts in different ways under different circumstances and, uh, uh, I think it's important to, to know who you got it from. I think that's the main value in it really of, 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 of the belt promotions for me is, you know, oh, I know these guys trust me to, to represent at that level. So, yeah. That's a good story. I was glad, uh, me and Logan, like you said, we were there for that. And uh, that was a pretty cool moment. I was pretty pumped that I got to watch that. Yeah. You know, I remember, I don't even know what was wrong with me. I think I was so wrapped up in hoping I got my blue belt that I didn't even like, it didn't even cross my mind <laughs> that like you might get your black belt. Like, you know, I'm just like, the, the only thing I was worried about was like, am I getting my blue belt? So yeah. a little bit, a little bit of context on that too. We all went out to New York. We, we go out quite, a, quite often. I, Mike and I used to go out more actually. Logan and I have been out a few times and and you've been out there training. Yeah, I've been out there a couple times. Uh, we go out there to the main school as much as we can. And we went out that time for, we trained some, we did quite a bit of training out there and we had a good group though. We had like six of us because I wanted to get these guys promoted because like I, I was a brown belt and I'd yeah. been training with them and they were good. Now I, I brought them out to train, but also to, I, I you know, I called up the guys that had been out for seminars and have been training. I was like, hey, can, can you guys help get these guys promoted? I mean, they've been training for years and they, you know, they need promoted. <laughs> and, uh, and they knew them too, you know, like Gregor and, uh, and uh, Gregor had been out here and, uh, you know, Mike had trained with, with them before and stuff like that, and and Logan also. They knew Logan, so I uh, he they were like, yeah, sure, we'll promote him. You know, let's let's take a look at him. We'll go out and and, uh, and get him promoted. And and I'm thinking, mm, you know, I I can't say that I, I didn't think it was possible that they might promote me, but I definitely wasn't expecting it. So that was really cool. I saw all my students get promoted. Uh, Lance got his per uh, Lance got purple. And, uh, you know, we, we got a bunch of blues, like Luke Burdett, we mentioned him, he was there. Logan was there, Mike was there. Anthony Previtt. Anthony Previtt uh, did not get promoted that, that day. Luke but, didn't either. And yeah. Luke Burdett didn't either. Dan, uh, he got promoted at a different time, but. Uh, uh, Noah Neiman. Noah Neiman was there, yeah. So some, some of the guys that were training with me in Pittsburgh were there, but that was really cool that they were there. And it was also really cool that all my teachers <laughs> were there. And Marcio Stamboski got a got a Henzo gave him the the red and uh, black coral, coral belt. belt yeah that day also so that was really cool. Out of the three of us who got blue belts, two of them are still blue belts. <laughs> <laughs> and Lance got his purple belt still purple belt. <laughs> I remember it really well because I mean I was sixteen so I, I didn't have quite a broad a perspective as maybe I, I you know I could have but I was super nervous because I really wanted Warren to get his black belt. And, and I really hoped that he did and didn't know if he was going to. So I was really nervous that he would get it. Uh, what a good brother. So, so Logan and Mike had completely opposite mindsets. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was such a jerk. I was <laughs> but I was like super happy. Like, you know, yeah. We went crazy. Like we went crazy. Like everybody else got the, the good round of applause. Like, but it did, like, like I, I, I had this conversation with Anthony and uh, like you know, just like slip in the mind, like didn't like didn't even think about it, and like so like the ones of us who had caught up, like we just exploded. It was crazy. Cool guys, that was a pretty long podcast, but that was a fun conversation. So that we kind of we went a long time, but uh, we'll post it up and we'll post some notes if you guys want to get some short sections. You know, I'll tell you guys when uh, the good stuff is, and if you want to look and see something specific we'll, we'll post the times in the, in the notes uh, on, on our website so thanks for thanks for chatting with me today guys anybody anybody got anything closing i was i was hoping uh, mike you can jump uh, the reason this podcast went longer than we expected is because belt promotions mean something. They brought back all these memories from from our our, our promotions and great stories mm -hmm. you know and things like that so i mean i guess like kind of proved it to ourselves right yeah. now how, how like special it really it really can be that's a great point. I, yeah.
this is uh, this is something that's kind of off topic, maybe better for a different time. I just want to ask you because I want to know. Um, so I think kind of with everything we've talk, been talking about, with the difference from six years ago, um, uh, uh, Purple Belt, who's a competitor, being better, and a Purple Belt, on average, being worse, um, and you know, you you um, promote competitors differently. Traditionally, right, the, the distinction in jiu-jitsu, the, the most important distinction is gi and no gi. Do you think that because of the way that uh, sport jiu-jitsu is going, do you think that competitive jiu-jitsu versus um, jiu-jitsu as, as a recreation or, or just a hobby is the most important distinction in jiu-jitsu now? Huh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, that, might be a, that might be a good topic for, for another... Uh, uh, podcast. We'll probably let's 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 keep that we'll one. Save that. Let's save, save that one. Yeah, and we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that one another day because that that could be a, a topic in, of itself. But, we don't want to ruin all our podcasts on one day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we gotta keep we gotta keep these going. So so that was fun, guys, and uh, thanks. And that was uh, I like I like that what Mike said in closing. I mean, that really kind of highlighted why why there is some importance to it. Um, on the flip side, I, I would say that um, I. As cool, like as cool as it is, and we had all these great stories, and and uh, I do think I, I agree. I think I think podcasts are. I mean, podcasts are important. <laughs> I think belt promotions are important, but I, I don't think that's the most important thing in jujitsu. And I think everybody should should definitely keep that in mind. Like in closing, is uh, I, I you know, jujitsu is not a. It, it shouldn't be about belt promotion. That's not the most important thing. Uh, and, and I think, unfortunately, I see certain, not, not everybody, but I see some people kind of, kind of uh, placing too much importance on that one aspect of it. So, you know, it's like everything, you, you strike a balance. And, and I think that in, in the right place, in the right context, uh, with the right uh, perspective, belt promotions are, are great and they're a good part of, they're a good part of both the sport of jiu-jitsu and, and uh, you know, jujitsu as a as a recreational martial art. So, uh, thanks, guys. Hey, everybody, Warren here. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more information on our podcast, we have transcripts and some notes on our blog, which is found at our website. Our website is stouttrainpit.com. That's S T O U T T R A I N. P-I-T-T.com. And uh, we also have uh, a contact form there. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, that's the place to do it. Also find us on social media. Our handles are all the same. It's Stout, P-G-H, S-T-O-U-T, P-G-H, on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.